and it reads, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women. Your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. If you will, help me introduce the title for today's message. Everyone say, Behold, what's inside me leaps. Hallelujah. You may take your seats. Behold, what's inside me leaps. This is, you know, I, I love the Bible, so I'm biased. Um, but the Gospels, I think, are some of the best stories in all of Scripture. The way in which they intentionally tie what has happened before to what is happening then is masterfully orchestrated. And Luke, probably one of the most detailed in how he crafts the story, is doing just that right here. Luke is writing to Theophilus and wants to make sure that out of all the stories that he's heard about Jesus, he wants to give him the most detailed account he can provide from all of the eyewitness accounts that he has been able to gather from the other stories that are moving around from his own experience and what he's seen. And after putting all of these things together, he begins to write from beginning to end the story of Jesus. And unlike other writers, he doesn't begin the story about Jesus with Jesus. If we begin the story about Jesus with Jesus, it is as if Jesus is just a moment happening in time and not a connection to that which has been happening before. In fact, the writer John says, we can't even begin at just birth. We need to go all the way back to creation because this moment in time has pointed all the way back to when God said, let there be. But Luke says, and this is even more important for him, is that this not only is talking about what is happening currently, but this is looking to a yesteryear, a desiring, a hoping for a group of people all the way since the promised land. 
The story starts, if you go back to verse 5, with a story of a man named Zechariah. Zechariah is a priest, and Luke is very intentional to make sure that we know he's not just a priest, but he comes from a priestly line. His line shoots all the way back to Aaron, and we should know this, right, because this is promised land talk. This is anchoring exactly who he is and where he is. And guess what? It's not just Zechariah that's from a priestly line. His wife, Elizabeth, is from one too. This is not a negative story disparaging a woman. This is two amazing individuals. In fact, Scripture calls both of them righteous that they have done what is necessary to fulfill the requirements of God. God would find himself happy with them. And yet, they burden a challenge. She, Elizabeth, is barren. Now, uh, we talk about this often, and, you know, I, I, think, I think it's something so important. We keep talking about birth. We talked about it last week. We'll be talking about it all throughout the month. But there is something that in ancient times, the greatest thing we could do was be a part of the birthing of another individual. It wasn't how much material or how much work or other things we did. There was this recognition that literally the most valuable thing is life Amen. and how we produce that. And so these two who have been righteous are not afforded the opportunity to participate. They can't keep this line of righteousness going. But Zechariah, this is his time. He's called to go into the temple and work. In fact, he's working in the temple. He's doing his duty. He's on call. They pull the lots, and his name is picked. This is considered to be a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. People do it all the time, but each individual will do it like once in a lifetime for somebody to get the chance to actually go into the holy space. And this holy space now has the altar of incense. It has the Ark of the Covenant, all of these things which represent the very presence of God and not just kind of represent in, 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 their, in the lore and in the story. They actually are when individuals touch things uncarefully. The righteous anger of God could burn against them. They could be smitten. There was a healthy fear of God. God wasn't just, oh, amazing God, let's go talk to God. We can tell God all about our problem and say anything to God. But sometimes if I get around a holy God, that which is unholy in me might cause that holy God to be angry at me. So I better get myself right. So Zechariah had prepared himself to go into the presence of God. Gets a chance to stand by the altar, is doing his due diligence. Scripture says that while he's in there serving, that the people are outside praying. It is such a precarious position to be close to God that people got to pray to God while you're close to God that God would not take away all the things that you are because you aren't worthy to be around God. I wish we, I wish we heard this. The people of God recognized that proximity to God came at a cost. And so as Zechariah went in, the people were praying 
because they was hoping he would be able to come back out. God, please, while he's in there, God, we want you to do it, God. We, we, we believe in God. Keep him protected, God. If there's anything he may have neglected on accident, God, we were praying that you would give compassion. God, they're praying. And in fact, Scripture tells us a little later on, they got worried because he was in there for a long time. What you in there doing, man? Scripture says that he's going about his normal, uh, well, not normal, but he's going about the duties, the one that he finally gets a chance to do, and he looks up and he sees an angel. Scripture says that he is completely in fear. He's blown away. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ain't nobody else supposed to be in here. <laughs> I don't know you. I'm concerned. And, 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 and I, I wish I could sit here. I promise I had a completely different message and God is shifting some things, so forgive me. So I'm going to give you some tidbits from that one, but that ain't the message today. <laughs> I was amazed because he's in proximity to God, but he's taken aback because he really didn't expect God to speak. He was in the holiest of holy places, the place that would represent God's presence, but is taken aback because he actually wasn't expecting for God to say nothing. And I'm not mad at Zechariah because God hadn't been saying nothing. Folks have been in and out of God's presence and ain't nobody heard nothing. And so sometimes we get so used to doing the things that bring us in proximity to God that then when God doesn't speak all the time, we start thinking that God won't speak anytime. And then we're thrown aback when God finally opens his mouth and speaks. And I want to hope that we can hold just a little bit of awe, a little bit of expectation that any time and every time that we go into the presence of God, God might be willing to say something. He walks in. Whoa, wasn't ready for this. And then the angel does this thing where he said, don't be scared. I always love when people do scary things and say, don't be scared. Like, I know I just scared you, but don't be scared. All right. And then he drills directly into his issue. I'm reading from verses 5 all the way through. So when you go back, Luke 1, start at 5, I want you to read the story. No, I ain't making this stuff up. The angel jumps right in and says, God has heard your prayers and is getting ready to fulfill and answer what you've been asking for. Your wife will be given a child. And I was like, whoa, because this is important. What Luke is doing as a writer is he's now taking us and creating a story that develops not just about Jesus, but about the history of the children of Israel. This story sounds eerily similar to another couple who had been barren. Zechariah and Elizabeth are old, and this other couple had been old. God had told them that God would do something, and there was a bit of disbelief, and God told this other couple what he was going to do, and there was a bit of disbelief. It's, it's something amazing. There's the old guard, the way that things have been happening, and God was working there, and God says to Zechariah, I'm about to give you a child. 
your wife is going to conceive. I got his name already pinned. You're going to call him John. He is going to be amazing. He's going to turn kids, I mean parents back to their children and children back to their parents. He's going to change things. And Zachariah's response was, how I know you're telling the truth? How do I know that this will happen? Now, in our spiritual, um, you know, arrogance, we can look down our noses like, Zachariah, man, you're talking to an angel. Like, it's a random person in the presence of God. What more do you need? But let's just be people for a moment. He owed. She owed. They don't have blue pills. Right? He like, wait, wait now. Before I go open my mouth and tell her this, because anybody that has been married knows what it's like to promise a spouse something that ain't about to happen. I had thought that you said that we was going to see what had happened was. Right? And he's like, now, I hear what you're saying, and you're telling me this is going to happen. What do I have as evidence? How do I know that this is going to happen? Because, and, and scripture doesn't say this, this is Jason. This is Jason. I'll acknowledge it, but I think it's on good exegetical ground. Scripture doesn't say this, but if he's old now, are we insinuating he's still praying for a child? Or had this been a prayer that he had prayed long ago and had already given up on because life had already said, this ain't happening for you. So now, God, you want to show up after I've already done the eulogy for this hope, desire, and dream. I've already cried about it. I've already given it up. You mean you want me to resurrect this thing that had been breaking me all of my life, and now you want me to look back at it, and you're going to tell me this happened? God, I buried that a long time ago. I done moved on. I'm fine. I don't even want that no more. I ain't thinking about that no more. Well, yeah, I do want that, but I know you can't do it right now. Well, maybe you can do it right now. What, what took you so long, God? Right? Maybe he's having this moment. You want me to walk back out there and tell these people this thing? When the way that we are known is by the issue that we have not been able to have a child. And we did everything we could. We tried the ancient day in vitro, and that ain't worked. We prayed, we cried, and finally, God, when I was finally willing just to accept what your will was, now you come and shake me and say, now do you have faith enough to believe that that may not have been true? How do I know? And watch the angel. Now, the angels, <laughs> so my wife knows that I cannot wait to be old, okay? Yes. <laughs> Just, just follow with me. Not because, like, I don't like being young. I don't want to be old, like, physically. I just can't wait to be old, like, culturally, right? Because older people can say what they feel and walk away. No apologies, right? They be like, ooh, you showing up getting fat, and walk off. Right? And you might think in your head, I know you ain't talking, but you ain't going to say it back, right? So... I think the angels are like, like they've been around a long time. They got that spirit on them. They, they say exactly what they feel and don't care. He's like, oh, so you mean to tell me 
I was just sitting next to God. In fact, and, and watch this. Luke is so intentional, he even tells the positioning of where the angel is when he's talking. He's on the right side of the altar. This right side means the one that gets the communication. It means the right hand. It is, I'm getting this directly. So the angel shows up. He says, you mean to tell me, I just left God, heard it from his mouth, come to tell you what he said, and you need me to prove to you that he gonna do what he said. All right, I got you. How about this? Quiet. Quiet. And before, I always thought about this as a punishment, but I think it may have actually been one of the greatest gifts that God gave to Zechariah because he, he stopped him from talking. He didn't have to worry about to tell his wife what God was going to do. He didn't have to worry about nobody else knowing what God was going to do. But watch this. He also couldn't allow himself to talk himself out of. Jesus. He was no longer able to put his words on top of God's word. This is a sidebar, and I'm going to go back to the message. Be careful of putting your words on God's word. Because sometimes we have put our words on God's word, and we have nullified the thing that God is really trying to do here because we're trying to put our intelligence on God's already revelation. All God needs is for you to say what God said. He don't need you to put your ideas, your thoughts, your how. Well, how, God? I don't care if you know how. If I say it, it will happen. All you got to do is trust what I told you. He said, so, Sometimes there's a gift that God provides you, which is silence. And sometimes, you know, I want to say this too. Sometimes this is a gift just in regular life. Some of you know that. Sometimes people say stuff to you, and your first response is probably not the best response. Some of the greatest gift that God has given you is the ability to shh. I know what they say. I know you can say something back, but the grace is shh. You ain't got to say nothing because when they see what actually happens, it will confirm everything you would have said in the first place. Shh. So I think we need a higher, a higher the theology of shh. You need a shh theology. And it's different. Like, you know, let's be honest, though. Like, when somebody else shush you, it, it is kind of offensive. Like, ain't nothing like somebody being like, hey, shh. But like, oh, hey, who you talking to? You don't, you don't shush me. <laughs> hey, hey, shh. But like, whoa. But every now and then, God got to be like, shh. Shh. Quiet down. Scripture says, he walks out. Folks waiting. They've been praying. They're like, what is going on? He can't even talk. He has to hold what God has told him. And all he can do is watch for it to happen. Scripture says that right after this, he goes, his wife gets pregnant, and his wife just jumps on top of it. She begins to praise the Lord, and he's still quiet. He's quiet through the entire pregnancy. Shh, just watch. 
Scripture says this happens, right? And this is the background. So this is old school. This is what used to happen. This is all old school Israel happening for Zechariah and Elizabeth. But then our story opens up with Mary running to go see Elizabeth. What caused Mary to run to talk to her? They relatives, but the truth is an angel went to visit her. And this is a story that we hear often, right? He tells her, hey, that the Lord has favored you. She's like, oh, not me, right? He says that the Lord is going to overshadow you. The Spirit of God is going to come upon you, and you're going to have a son. And she's like, wait a minute. I haven't done the requirements for children. I ain't finished that course yet, you understand? And so I don't understand how that's going to happen. And he says, don't worry about it. We got that all figured out. I'm just telling you it's going to happen. And to confirm it, watch this, your confirmation is that we're already doing it in your cousin Elizabeth. What beauty God is creating, Luke is writing, that these amazing gifts and blessings aren't separated, but connected. They are the confirmation of each other. That old Elizabeth and young Mary are not at odds, but they are benefiting from what God is doing in both of them. Scripture then says, that God calls her, well, I don't know if God calls her, but she's, she's, she's inspired now to run after Elizabeth. Go to seek her out. I want to see this thing that God has told me because not only does God tell her about her coming birth, but he announces to Mary that Elizabeth got a baby too. So she go check it out. And this is where we open up. A few days later, Mary's hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived, she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth at the sound of Mary's greeting. Elizabeth's child left. I was watching this story and saw it differently for the first time. Elizabeth is already pregnant, and Mary has just been announced. So she's, maybe she's early, she hasn't started. But the gift in Elizabeth responds to the other person who is gifted. And when the gift recognizes gifting, it begins to leap. It leaps so much that his mother begins to be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now this, and this is new writing, right? You have to remember because Luke is saying something that we hadn't heard in Scripture up to this point. Prior to this, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. Come upon people. Come upon people. But once God put the gift inside her, it says that now the Spirit is 
filling her. It's on the inside of her. Some new things are happening. Why? Because this older generation has now had a dream, has been hoping and waiting and praying, and a new generation has met them. And God is saying, it is not one or the other, but the beauty happens when I can take their dream into your fulfillment, and all of a sudden, y'all should be dancing together for what I've placed inside of you. And watch how Elizabeth responds. She doesn't respond just in the hierarchy of age to Mary. She doesn't say, bow down to me and worship me because I am your elder. She doesn't say, I was pregnant first and so I got the shine and you need to bow down and listen to the words that I say. But she recognizes that if what God gave me is jumping when it hears you because of what God is doing in you, then I ought to be celebrating and speaking life into you. And so she opens her mouth and says what her husband can't say. She opens her mouth and says what her daddy ain't told her. She opens her mouth and says, I'll speak life into you because you need it now. Because everybody wants to steal your gift. Everybody wants to talk about how you got here. Everybody is now putting your name in the mud. Let me speak life over you. You are not what they said. You are not how they view you. You are not all messed up. You are not lesser than. You are favored among women. In fact, you, she says, you are favored among all women. Hear this. In her communication, she is telling to Mary that even though my cultural position would have me here, I am willing to sit here for what God is doing in you. I love you enough to say you are favored even more than God favors me. I can tell you what he did for me, but what he's doing in you is bigger than anything I have ever seen. It is... It is the beauty of what multiple generations who know God can experience. It is the beauty of people recognizing that the hymns and the songs and the dreams and the prayers from generations ago are being fulfilled in our hearing. And when somebody is willing to open their mouth and say it's happening in our midst, I can see it. I'm excited about it. I'll speak into it. All of a sudden, now groups of people that they say can't work together begin worshiping together, begin living together, begin seeing the power of God together. He says, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. I am so honored that the mother of my Lord should come and visit me. And when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. All right, 
the story is beautiful because Luke is saying that the representation of Israel prior to the Messiah is represented in John and John's parents. And the fulfillment of all of their hopes and dreams is coming in Jesus. And I'm going to put these two people together. And they're not going to live life like so many human interactions. They're not going to hate on each other. They're not going to try to pull down each other. But one is going to get joy when the other one is being elevated. And that level of joy is going to fill up all those that are connected so that when it happens, they can be worshiping together to see the mighty power of God together. And I'm speaking to a church that has a history, and I think that God may be doing something similar. Dare not say that this is like the birth of John and the birth of Jesus. No, but what I do see is generations coming together, having ideas and dreams of the history, and seeing children speaking about God in front of our faces, and we should be leaping for joy at what God is doing in our midst. And this is why it was so amazing because Mary was able to do what the previous generations had failed to do. Abram and Sarai that turned to Abraham and Sarah, they couldn't just believe God's word. Sarah laughed and didn't get it. Zechariah, standing in the altar, heard God's word, but questioned if God would be able to do it. But Mary, young Mary, Mary that everybody talked about, Mary that didn't know everything, Mary that didn't have it all put together, Mary that didn't know how God was going to do it, said, if God said he going to give me a baby and I'm going to be a virgin, I believe God above anything else, and I'll walk on what God has told me. Mary believed, and she says, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what the Lord said. You want to know how to be blessed? Believe that God will do what God said. I don't think you hear it. You want to know how to be blessed? Believe that God will do what God said. I know you might need to hear it again. You want to know how to be blessed? Believe that God will do what God said. It is only the enemy trying to make you believe that God is no longer capable of doing the things that God is only capable of doing. Can I tell you, you ought to believe that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above, 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 beyond, increase everything that we can ask or think that our God is able to provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory. 
God has the cattle on a thousand hills, that our God will never leave you nor forsake you, that our God's love, it shall never fail, that our God will never turn around on you, that our God... has promised to save your life if you will but believe in what he said. When I read this, it changed everything I was praying about, thinking about, because something in me leaped. Something in me leaped. I start reading it and I'm like, wait a minute. God is doing this now. God is doing this now. I'm hearing and watching things that are happening and something is leaping on the inside of me. And I wish I had some more folks that could get excited that God got something leaping on the inside of you that is not over, it's not dead, it's not forgetting that God can still do it. God will 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 still do it. God will. God will still behold what's on the inside of me. It leaked. Pray with me.